Hello and welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. And guess what? This episode marks one year to the day since I started doing this damn thing. Man, what a year it's been. Jesus Christ. You know, as I said in the very first episode, my presumption was that I would do three of these things and then just like forget to do a fourth and that would be the end of it. But man, here we are, like a one year later, still trucking. And Jesus Christ, I had no idea that it would go the way that it's gone. We have had some incredible guests on this thing since it started. And I want to give a massive thank you to everybody that's given their time so generously to come and speak with me on the show. And it's a real treasure trove of insight and information and food for thought developing on this thing now. So if you're new to the podcast, please have a nose to the previous episodes because we've covered a ton of stuff on this thing now from, you know, the war in Ukraine to nutrition to climate change, the music industry, Israel and Palestine, Spotify, mental health, relationships protest and activism dude there's a fucking whole shitload of stuff on this thing so go and have a look through and if you if you are new to the podcast please do subscribe and give us a follow so you don't miss any more of these awesome episodes because there is a ton more shit coming up and i don't want you to miss any of it and while we're on the subject of following things my band james kennedy and the underdogs have started announcing some shows baby it's been a long winter, man, including being censored and shadow banned and having my video taken down off YouTube. You know, having an album called Make Anger Great Again that comes out a month before Donald Trump is running for re-election. It's probably not a smart move. <laughs> and my, my, my album was essentially crushed by the algorithms. Uh, Twitter actually just mailed me like a half an hour ago confirming that they did actually shadow ban me, the motherfuckers. Um, YouTube told me that, you know, the video for The Power was shocking even though, you know, there's nothing shocking about it at all. So it's it's been a tough road for me, man, to get that album out. So, I'm, you know, we've had a lot of hurdles with the band as well, and personal problems and things, which have given us a few false starts. So I'm looking very much forward now to getting out there in the summertime and kicking some fucking asses and making some noise. And I hope to see you all there. So if you're not on any of the pages, go and check out James Kennedy UK on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, uh, James Kennedy stuff on YouTube to, to catch up on the tunage, and hopefully we'll get to see you all really, really soon. Now, speaking of awesome guests, we have got a good one for you guys today, and I'm so thankful to today's guests for squeezing us in because they are super crazy busy right now. Now, I can't imagine I need to explain to anyone listening to this who went to Shikaria. I mean, you know, unless you've been living on Mars for the past 10 years, then you know exactly who I'm talking about. I'm joined today by the singer Rao Reynolds, and there's a ton of stuff I want to ask him and get into, including... Something that many Enter Shikari fans have made me aware of online in no uncertain terms. The fact that our logo, my band's logo, and their logo is essentially exactly the same. <laughs> so I'm going to gingerly approach that issue with Rao and I hope he doesn't set a bomb off under my ass. So let's get down to it. We are honoured to be joined today by the one and only Rao Reynolds, singer and songwriter in the fucking incredible sonic juggernaut that is the mighty Enter Shikari. Author, producer, creative visionary, and wearer of many an enviable hairstyle. Rao, <laughs> thanks so much for stopping in, brother. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it, man, because I know how crazy busy you always are. So uh, what's happening right now? What's going on? Oh, yeah, all sorts. Um, I mean, our, our album is basically uh, kind of a month away now. So it's, uh, yeah, everything's just amping up. Loads of press, loads of... Uh, doing the final video shoots for the the next two singles nice trying to get the next leg of um shows the set list all, all sorted and stuff so lots of programming yeah firefighting is what is what i've come to call it you're just you know you get one thing off your to-do list done and six more things coming <laughs> yeah i can't imagine man that all sounds awesome though dude and i imagine that you're probably quite well adapted to that workload now because you're a band that has been crushing it quite relentlessly for over 20 years now and the vibe i get is that you're all a very hands-on band and as far as i'm aware you've spent much of your career as an independent band is that right or or am i have i got the wrong end of the stick no yeah totally yeah, I mean, well, I think before we even released uh, anything like properly, um, there was, of course, the sort of four years of uh, touring up and down the UK and recording and releasing our own EPs and things. Um, but then, yeah, Take to the Skies was released on PS Play Against Sam, um, who at the time were just full of people who, who got it, you know, and they were like a great independent label. I think like now, we're on uh, So Records, who are pretty much the only truly independent record. You know, they're not a subsidiary of a, a larger major label. Right. Which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do in like, you know, the current sort of climate. Um, but they're smashing it and they're awesome. But yeah, in between those two labels, we've, we've 
done all sorts and uh, yeah, tried all sorts of deals, but it's been a, an interesting run. Well, I imagine it must be a very specific type of label that would be able to handle a band like you guys, because you're all so talented in, in many different creative fields and, you know, very much involved in your own destiny and in the driving seat of your own careers. I can imagine how that could be intimidating or frustrating for some labels. So it's great that you've managed to find a home um, where you guys are able to to still maintain that level of control. I mean, as far down the road as you are now with things, are you still very much completely involved in all aspects of things or are you able to kick back a little bit more now? Yeah, absolutely everything. And, and I think like everyone is to a degree, like, you know, often I find it funny when you see like, fans saying like perhaps like sticking up for their favorite artist who's done something like that's a bit shit or you know it started doing say for instance like paid meet and greets right like charging their fans to meet them and, and then people their fans will go oh but it's not their decision you know it's all oh, their management or their label has like coaxed <laughs> them into this like, yeah well that's not you know you don't have to do anything you don't want to do you know like i i think there's um there can be kind of willful ignorance in that respect from the artist's position um, but at the end of the day, yeah. But yeah, for us, it's it's, it's very much, um, I don't know, you could call us control freaks. Or I would just say it's kind of naturally what you want for your art. You know, you want to know everything about it. You want to know how it's being released. You want to yeah, yeah. You know, be involved in everything. Um, and so, certainly in, in terms of the creative kind of a- area of, of, of the band, like we've never let that go whatsoever so even on that brief stint when we were on interscope like it was funny because we got on really well with the people there like and i think they did like get what what we were trying to do and stuff but there was you know there was some like funny situations where the a and r representative was in the studio with us and like, oh what if the chorus like did this or what if we got to the chorus quicker or you know these right 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 fuck off pal <laughs> yeah and we were like sorry you you do know who you're speaking to yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're the goal of some people, man. I'm sure he meant well, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm always fascinated by people's relationships with their label because you hear so many bad fucking stories from bands, you know, about being shafted by their labels and stuff. So, yeah, I'm super interested to know how you guys are getting on with the new guys. And, yeah, tell us more about them. Yeah, so so Records, yeah, as I say, kind of the only real independent left, um, yeah, kind of self, self-funded. Um, they 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 have like a sister um label um which does primarily classical music like film soundtracks and things like that which is awesome and then they have yeah the rock label which does us placebo uh just released the new hundred reasons album which oh man i'm just overjoyed that they're back there oh yeah i've always been one of my favorite bands um yeah a a brilliant label like you get the sort of the attention and the passion that you want i think you know as an artist you want your team to truly understand your message and what you're trying to achieve right and be like uh, you you don't want to have to enthuse them they should be enthused by the music if you know if they you, you want people who are yeah who, who are, who are going to bring that energy um and yeah that, that, that's what we've got from them uh, we've only released one album uh with them well all about to be two albums with them uh with our, with our new one um but yeah it's been been going great so far uh, that's wicked, man. I'm glad to hear that, dude, because the terrain has changed so much now, hasn't it, for artists? There's so many more avenues available for releasing your music, and you guys have been successful and have experience in several different models now, be it independent um, or with a label or a combination of the two. But what is the overall most important thing that you need, regardless of the model, as a band now at this stage, for releasing your music? Um, Speed, perhaps, for us. Right. Um, to give it sort of a broad term, like the real struggles we've had is when we've got an idea and, you know, if, okay, so put it into like a, a solid example. I, I always remember the video shoot we did for uh, our track that was re- released after our first album. It was like a bridging single, Destabilized. And um, we had this idea and we were able to just get it done. And we, you know, I, I co-directed that with a friend and it was just a few of us in this location that, that, that we got and th- th- there's something about the the energy when an idea is being conceived that is just like really pure and really electric and you get something done and you can get it out there quick um but the times when we've been in deals that aren't so perhaps like 
flexible or they aren't they aren't able to give you the attention that you you want to, to get things out quickly um that's been the worst you know when you have to go through layers of bureaucracy to like either like uh, release the the funding for like a video or you know you want to release a, a a single that isn't part of an album campaign and it's just like yeah yeah there's always so many or sometimes in, in some deals there's just so many levels you have to like go through to like get to finally release some some art you know um so it's it's just it can be incredibly frustrating so like i think concentrating on the on the accelerated process um is something that's been key to us because it, it's then that the art feels a bit more pure it doesn't feel stale to us and yeah. we can still like go and perform it and be like super excited by it when it hasn't been sitting in the cupboard for six months just yeah 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 a lot of people say that yeah it's like the bigger the label the bigger the bullshit almost you know you because you are not oh, their, sure. their only horse in the race you know you gotta wait for ages i've had that conversation several times so i guess there's like a sweet spot you know which which it sounds as if you guys are in now where you can have the level of efficiency that you want so it's still fresh and exciting by the time it hits the stage you know absolutely yeah no i feel very very grateful for the position we're in at the moment it does it does feel yeah kind of gratifying and satisfying um nice i think there's a weird sense of, so I don't know whether it's Moore's law or, or what, or, or kind of the, just the general rat race and the, the, the hedonistic treadmill, whatever you want to call it, where an artist, when you get to a certain level, you just, you're never satisfied and you always want more. You know, you get to right. the, the level we've been at for a while, every band that we sort of look sideways and we see like our peers, they're all like striving to get bigger and like striving to make sure every tour they do is an arena tour. And it's, right. and it's just exhausting. And I don't think it's, it's that satisfying either. So like, I don't have some massive ambition to, to be like uh, a huge, you know, like uh, arena worldwide yeah, selling yeah. band. Like that's not really what we're about. So because that isn't, in our ambition we don't need a major label we, right. we don't need that extra like serious oomph now where yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can hold the uh, the uh, the radio uh those who pick radio playlists you can hold them by the throat of the wall and go you will support this band yeah <laughs> we, we, we don't yeah we don't kind of require that so yeah i think we're in a really good position and it, it, we're comfortable with the kind of uh what, what's sort of available to to us if right. you like in terms of growth and sustainability yeah, and I think you guys have got the most important thing, which is you've got an awesome, loyal, passionate, hardcore audience that fucking love the band and have followed you guys for a long time. That is something that no label can give you, and it's not something that any label can take away from you as well. Like, you guys have built that, you know what I mean? And I'd be interested to know because, you know, not only is the band fucking kick ass and you've been, you guys have been working hard consistently and putting out good stuff now for so long, but I mean, there's lots of bands who are good and work hard, you know, but they don't have that level of enter Shikari shit happening for them, you know? So why do you think that is? What do you attribute that to? Oh, it's a tough one, man, because it's like, I don't know any different, you know what I mean? So I don't have a great deal to compare it to. Yeah, of course. I often thought it was something to do with our, uh, the sort of breadth, if you like, of like the diversity in terms of our music. Yeah. Um, We've always tried to make music that's, well, not tried. We just, we always have made music that's like very, it has a great deal of variety because that's what I was brought up with. So it's like very natural for me to make that kind of music. And so what happens when the music is varied is there's always a degree of surpassing or dodging people's expectations. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it, there's, there's an element of not so much shock. It's not like what we're trying to do is shock people. That, that's, that doesn't massively interest me. Um, but it's, it's, I think even our worst songs are interesting. And like e every like album we release, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's interesting. Um, and so I think that what that does is, is it, it sustains a, a sort of core element of, of a fan base. You know, if, if you bring out the same album, again and again you can have massive success but there is an element of loyalty that you gain from having music that takes effort to understand right it's not just you know 
Tom York used to describe it as fridge buzz. You know, this this guy. If you're making music that's just completely bland and banal, yeah, you you may get a very enthusiastic following, but like it, they haven't put much into it, into the sort of equation, if you like, to understand the music. Yeah. And so when you've got that, I think it gives you a greater deal of appreciation for your audience and then vice versa as well. It's just it's just a, a, a greater connection, I suppose. If you've had to like think about what you're listening to, you're you're connected to it in a deeper way than if it's just like this background, middle of the road radio fodder. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm sure there's a, a load of other things as as well, but um i suppose consistency and like honesty i think that's really important to us like authenticity like we're i think we've never really tried to to be anything that we're not we've never tried to sort of yeah, as i said before like take over the world or you know you're, the amount of bands that i've seen and that's been the headline that's been the one liner that they'll they'll kind of tout on all the magazine covers that they'll get and they'll sort of come and go and yeah 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 i think people understand with us that they're they're getting something that's um that's real and uh yeah the, the passion and the dynamism is, is real i completely agree with that yeah i was going to say that as well as all of those things i think it's the um the topics as well i mean you guys have always spoken about things that are real whether it's personal social political environmental you know wh- whatever and i think that gives it that extra layer of depth and connectivity then that people resonate with isn't it rather than like you say the example of mm. the um the, the two and a half minute earworm that's an absolute banger for fucking three weeks and then you know that's it it's over you're sick of it but you guys have got so many different layers of depth that that are real and mean something to people and I think the words have a, have a big part to play in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's the same sort of thing. If, if people are thinking about the, the themes and, and the topics within a song, they're, they're going to feel great, uh, greatly connected to it. Um, and yeah, more so if it was just something that was just a repeated line or, you know, the same old topics and, and lyrics that we've heard again and again. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's, that's just, it's kind of just what we were, brought up to think was normal you know I, I was i was first of all brought up with with motown and northern soul and that kind of that the lyrics were often quite thoughtful and melancholy and kind of beautiful but in a in a kind of aching way and then obviously it got extremely much more sort of politicized as the the kind of movement went on yeah and then you know i as a teenager i, I discovered um, our local hardcore punk scene and when you're running around like a headless chicken on the stage it's shouting your head off like it for me it it was the complete norm to for the music and the lyrics to that so that obviously it would be about something that that singer believed in yeah you know? and so yeah it's it's strange for me you know I've, I've, I've had some interesting experiences especially over the the last sort of five years and I, I tried a bit of like pop songwriting and stuff and it was, I'm really glad I did it, and it, it, I I felt like I grew quite a lot as a uh, as a songwriter. But like, it's a totally different thing. You know, it's very mechanical. Very, um, it, there's no sort of sense of soul or, or meaning to it. It's, it's you you yes. are creating a commodity. Um, Factory music, yeah, yeah, and that's just that's completely unnatural for me to do. Like, music for me is an incredibly emotional, you know, cathartic uh kind of release and it's a way of organizing my thoughts about myself and about the world um and so yeah it's it's just been something that's quite normal for, for us yeah i'm exactly the same man i mean when i grew up it was always those artists that had something to say that i was i just seemed to be more drawn to they were more interesting you know like pink floyd roger waters frank zappa you know yeah, uh, Rage yeah. against the machine the clash whoever it was i just you know there's loads of cool bands that i love but the ones that had that's that's that fucking intrigue about them we always had something to say they always had that little edge you know what i mean mm. and uh, i think that counts for a lot I was, I was gonna i wanted to i wanted to ask what role do you feel that art does play in advancing progress and change do you feel it has a role to play and if so uh, how important do you think it is yeah i've kind of gone back and forth on this like over the years i think what it what i can say with certainty um not just from my own experience as an artist but my own experience as a as an uh, an audience member as a supporter of, of, of music and other bands and artists um is that it's fuel for the fire you know it's like if, yeah. if people are feeling disconnected or lonely or full of rage at 
you know, whatever it is, whatever crisis of the, of the current many crises that we have that's uh, affecting them, the the music can be a way of, of channeling that, a way of thinking positively. You know, it can make you feel very activated um, as, a, as an activist. Um, and I mean that either literally as an activist or as like in, a, in more of a sort of broad term, it makes you feel like doing something even if that isn't like actual activism per se it means like you might change something about your own life or, yeah or think about some something in a different way uh, and and that's that's what music yeah certifiably does it say it's a fuel it motivates you it galvanizes people um it's, it's really the only thing that brings us all together indiscriminately left that we have you know um i think sport does that to a certain extent but it's not really indiscriminate because we have teams quite divisive as well <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's very it's it's competitive um whereas uh, music on the mo- most on the most part isn't that and that's you know even like the modern day festival it's just it's kind of the only thing we have left that just brings us together to celebrate our kind of you know when you look at it, it, it in a deep way it's like our shared vulnerability we're all impacted by this music that we're about to hear it's going to hit us in an emotional sense it's going to remind us that we're all the same we all work in the same way and that's something that's becoming increasingly more important to remind us of that in you know in a world that's just becoming more and more divisive and tribalistic oh yeah so yeah i it might not be some you know i i i hesitate to make to make sort of very grand statements about it music being this power that can change the world and all this but it can be a galvanizing motivating force for sure 100 percent, man yeah and brilliantly put as well i mean as you said we need that now more than ever i mean jesus christ as we look at the state of the country and in fact the world does not seem to be going in a good, very good direction right now to put it politely mm-hmm. i mean you're someone that's traveled the world you're clearly tuned in and enlightened on these issues and you've got an interesting perspective on it all because of what you do what do you think are our main pressing issues facing us not just as a nation but as a global community right now uh i mean it's it's thoroughly depressing and disorientating like the the list of crises just grow and grow by the day i think the the main thing that um sort of frustrates me is that people often don't look at the links it's the you know especially like in in the media it's the the most immediate um shocking thing that's that's plastered everywhere and there there isn't sort of room or space or time to actually look at the the core reasons that you know whichever crisis it is why it's happening yeah and that's something that's just i don't know it's just heartbreaking because like i mean what one of the things we, we've spoken about since since day one is, is system change and it's amazing now like seeing the the kind of youthful energy and and fortitude and and galvanization that's coming through for for actual system change like some you know this was something that 15 years ago no one was addressing no one was was speaking about and and, and what's happened in those 15 years is we've we've gone so far in terms of reaching the boundaries of of our planet really um that we we cannot now um expect to fix problems with just like you know like band-aids like oh we'll, we'll just change this law we'll just do yeah. this little fix and this little thing like that's just we're so far gone um that that we need system change yeah 100 percent. I, I think your analysis is bang on i do a lot of uh, political episodes on the podcast and that is always what it comes down to it's like you know yes we can campaign for this cause or this issue and there and there are gains to be made in those areas and they're all necessary in driving us in the right direction but as you say without the broader systemic change we are not going to make any progress, certainly on issues like climate change, which is priority number one for everybody on this planet right oh, now. Oh, mate, yeah. The problem is, is that the people in charge who are like behind the wheel of this fucking high-speed burning train that's heading towards the edge of a cliff, they don't, they have a vested interest in the system staying exactly as it is and function essentially, as far as I'm concerned, as a kind of collective sociopathic organism that doesn't seem to care at all that they're heading us towards Armageddon. Yeah, well, I, I think the, th- the, thing, the thing is the system has a sort of inbuilt protective nature because it promotes and rewards narcissists, 
sociopaths, psychopaths, because really, if you look at it, that's what it demands. Um, it demands us from day one to compete against each other for our own, our own stability and then our own profit. Um, so a system that just at, you know, at its very core is setting us all against each other, like market based economics at its very core. It sets us all against each other. And what is a kind of logical, rational way to survive that? It's by becoming a self-interested, <laughs> narcissistic, like brute, yeah. really. Um, so it's almost like a, a, de- a defense mechanism that, that, that this, the system has within it, um, that it's always going to promote the people who will most protect this system because it's, 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 it's kind of birthed them um, and it's it's kind of given them power it's given them wealth um, and now they're obviously going to want to protect what they've built up um so it's this incredible kind of almost like a catch-22 just like infuriating situation where change isn't going to come from the top and i know that's a bit of a cliche but like <laughs> systems protect themselves um and so it has to we have to like build start building something new even before like tearing this down you know we have to we have to concentrate on the um the ways that we can start new kind of communities or organize communities differently you know start local and all this kind of thing i think that aspect is is pivotal um and then just like creating awareness of the the deeper thinking you know thinking about systems theory thinking about Oh, what is the what is the the core kind of prob- problem? Um, I think that's the only way, really. Like, kind of just education um, and making people aware of of just how bad things are, but just how kind of massively we need change and on on such a deep deep level. Which, in a way, it should be kind of exciting. We're living we're living at an incredible time where we need to change this kind of. Yeah, this this juggernaut of a of a system, this behemoth that's like we've had for for centuries, and and obviously capitalism has gone through very you know kind of morphed and it's changed um, from feudalism onwards. But like it's now it now we're living at a, an era where we need such dramatic change. It's it's actually um, it, sh- it hopefully it should it should feel quite thrilling <laughs> um, if you kind of put aside the fact that you know you know if it, if we don't achieve anything in the next hundred years the the prospect of the, the annihilation of human civilization is very much on the cards yeah you know there, there's a lot we talked a lot about this on the uh, the last album nothing is true and everything is possible um, and I, I got to speak with Toby Ord who is an incredible philosopher at um, Oxford University and he he puts the chances um, one in six um <laughs> that we might you know have a have a complete um catastrophic uh civilizational collapse so it's it's um it's yeah not not great chances but um you know the odds still are in, in our favor and we've got the um the kind of the 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 ability we've got the 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 science the technology we've got it all we just need to um tear down what is 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 so uh so bad for us Amen, man. And brilliantly put as well, man. I mean, you, you, I think you hit on a key word there, which is that of community. Because as you said, the system is kind of self, it's a self-perpetuating system. And the mindset shift that we've all had to uh, have imposed upon us as a result of having to survive in that system is that we've also kind of become part of that transactional capitalistic mindset. Whether we realize it or not, it's invaded so many parts of our mind and as a result, our psyche that I don't you know, I think it's just a survival thing. In order to survive within that system, you have to kind of become it as well. You know, I think we've, we've, we've all been tainted by this, what I would call the Thatcherite Reaganistic, um, mindset shift, the cultural shift in society. You know, mm. that of the individual, whereas that's not always the way that it was. And I think the antidote to that and the, the counterattack to that is community, is in actually coming together as a community and helping each other and working together on our shared solutions. And of course, you know, harking back to what you said earlier, you know, music is a great catalyst for that and a great galvanizer of, of, mm. of people and communities. But man, we have got one hell of a fight ahead of us, man, because the enemies are clearly winning right now. And they've done a very good job of fragmenting us and dividing us and removing us of our collective power. Yeah, yeah. I, I always find it fascinating. Like, our, our, any audience of um, 
any artist really, even not just speaking about music specifically, um, that an audience is sort of a microcosm of what society could be or, or should be. You know, it's this is very, very supportive. You know, when we talk about like fandoms, they're like incredibly supportive um, families, really. I mean, we, we call our, our fan base like the Shikari family because it it's amazing. They're like kind of, they step in where society has failed, you know, where the various uh, ways that um, a state has helped its citizens and where they've been torn down and taken away. Like uh, sometimes like these communities step in to kind of fill those gaps. And it's amazing how you see these, you know, people offering each other such support. And, and that's the beautiful thing about uh, community and about compassion is it is incredibly contagious. Once you, you, you kind of relive it again and you experience it again, you, you want to, you know, we, we I literally say this on, on stage often, like you want to take this feeling that we've got inside the venue tonight and you want to bring it out into the world because it's yeah. like, wow, this is what's been missing from my life. This sense of inclusion, this sense of togetherness. It's just something that's um, been complete, completely sort of stripped free in terms of our, our, our society as a whole. 100% man beautifully put I mean yeah it's, it re- live music in particular really is that communion um, that reconnects us to our uh, primal selves and our primal um, you know sense of community and all of the things that are kind of being deprived of us elsewhere in our lives and in society kind of we reconnect with that at a, at a live concert you know mm. and that's why I think it's just such a beautiful and powerful thing you know what a band like you guys give to the world and give to your fans because you, you know you bring that joy and that reconnection and to our to our primal selves and our sense of community you, you know you, you were delivering that to people night after night you know awesome yeah no i mean i, I think it's just it's the, it's the same with any um yeah any artist to agree it's just it's something that um where you sh- you again you, sh- you share that sense of uh a sense of a story that sense of togetherness that sense of um feeling one and feeling connected to to other people is yeah it's it's beautiful and and severely lacking in our, in our society 100 percent, man and speaking of that society how do you feel when you look at the state of the country that we both live in at the moment and what if anything do you think um we can do to dig ourselves out of this i don't know it's, it's almost like i feel a sense of um exhaustion about even just talking about about this stuff it's like it's so hard to you know, I have no sort of pithy, um, uplifting uh, answer to that question. It's just... Uh, it's relentless. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's... I mean, the first thing's first. Just getting rid of the Tories has to be the number one... 100%. ...thing on, on everybody's plates. Um, you know, it, essentially, it's a government a government of criminals. It's It's just... It's gone so far now and so long, and I think... For the first time, it's actually, you know, in a long time, it actually looks hopeful, you know, when you look at the polls and things. But then, of course, you see Starmer and you see someone who isn't exactly offering something that's massively different. So, you know, on one one portion of this podcast, I'm talking about system change. And then now I'm talking about Keir Starmer as the uh, one step in the right direction. It's not really. All it is is a relief for those who have been beaten down so much by the the conservative party. Yeah. So I think there's a there is um a sort of an ethical duty to to get the conservative party out just for that reason. Um, but I don't think anything in a in a real uh, big way will change. Um, I think that, as I say, that's going to come from from other places. But yeah, it's uh, it's you know it's just this fascinating, infuriating uh, criminal fucking circus at the moment, and it's uh, yeah, it's utterly utterly exhausting. So I think you know, oh, for me, for instance, like I, I I don't have a great deal to say at the moment because I just haven't been uh, following it. I've, I'm very lucky that I have this sort of bubble that I live in with with the with the band, and there's so much to concentrate at the moment with the album that I'm I'm just like I'm not following it, and I think. Sometimes that's important to say because like, oh, yeah. we all need to give ourselves a rest from it um, every now and then. Oh, dude, I'm so glad to hear you say that, man, because I feel exactly the same. And I, we, we do all feel a pressure to kind of, you know, be as clued up as we can and to keep the fight going and to, um, 
not let these fuckers slip anything by us, you know, but it is fucking exhausting, man. And it's really bad for your mental health as well. So I think mm. you saying that as someone that obviously is in, in the spotlight and is expected to have answers <laughs> for everything at the yeah, top of the yeah. time, I think will make a lot of people feel better about their own situation because yeah, man, Jesus Christ, it is, it, it's fucking exhausting. Like, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it's a, um, it's a really like debilitating, you know, you, you don't want to be so plugged into it and so constantly enraged that you start to end up basically becoming a nihilist, which mm. is, is really is the, yeah. the kind of worst of the worst because you're completely inactive. You're, you, you kind of just step back from it all. And of course, people think that that's kind of, um, you're, you're then just not an actor. Uh, you're, 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 you're kind of, relinquishing um any sort of uh ability or responsibility and it's a kind of a freeing thing for you personally but but of course it's it's all it really is doing is just letting the powerful continue yeah and so uh, for me yeah I, every sort of few years i seem to take these i'm, I'm about probably six months into it and, and uh, as i say i've had a lot of the music creation all these things that i'm very lucky to be able to have you know in that i do have this bubble to go into this just kind of dream world to escape it all um but if, if you don't give yourself those those kind of months off if you like and those 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 moments of escape whether it's being in amongst nature reminding yourself of human connection and concentrating on the, the small communities that we have and that we can cherish if you don't do that we'll just become completely inactive and essentially essentially that's what they they being the most powerful people in society the guardians of the status quo if you like that's what they want they want us to be completely inactive exhausted useless they want us to feel powerless that's something that we have talked about a lot on this this new album um the more you're convinced that you're powerless the uh, less you will use what any power you have, the more you will shrink and shrink. And so that's that's exactly what, what how they want us. They want us um, knackered and and thinking of ourselves as small and up against this mighty thing. And you know, every now and then, it's very easy to to fall into that. So yeah, I think having a break is an incredibly um, important thing. But I also understand that, for instance, if this was to get, if that little clip was supposed to uh, edited and and presented by itself i also understand that people would then say oh but you're just lucky that you have somewhere to go and and you can get out of the Mm. uh, you know the (laughs) way of the the intensity of it all yes i'm i'm very aware that i'm you know i'm incredibly lucky to have to have this band um but that's that was gonna be the clip i was gonna use as well shit (laughs) 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 there's always a way to criticize anything but um I, i i think it's a relevant criticism you know i you know, I'm, I'm I'm a very lucky person, but I, hopefully I'll come back um, kind of feeling much, much more rejuvenated and much, much more powerful um, when, you know, we start touring again and we can start being in the communities that we play in and we can start um, talking to people and, and seeing what we, we can do. No, I totally agree with that, man. I got a lot of activist friends who are very, very active all of the time. And I, they go through so many episodes of like just crushing depression and debilitation and apathy and nihilism and all the things that you've quite correctly yeah. mentioned. And it, it's a really detrimental effect on their personal lives and their relationships and their health and everything because they're yeah. just deep into this stuff all day, every day, and they're fighting an uphill battle every day. And there's no off switch to it. You know, yeah. this is their cause and it's what they're consumed by. And I just see the, the, the detrimental effect it has on them as a friend, you know? Mm. And I keep saying to them, like, like, guys, you've got to take some time off. You know, you're a human being. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Take some time off. And then when you come back, you're going to be fitter, stronger, you know, have more clarity. You're going to be more resilient. You're going to yeah. feel better. You're going to have a lot more fight in you and you're going to be able to achieve a lot more if you just take some fucking time off. I know it's difficult to do because I've been in that hole myself. But I really think it is an essential part of effective activism. Absolutely, yeah, and I, it, it's almost like a, a a sort of cliche now. But like, even a smile is a revolutionary act, you know, because you're you're going against the Love it. the Love will it. to be like beaten down at the moment and, and fatigued and kind of just destroyed in terms of your 
your hope <laughs> you know it's which is if you, if you don't have hope you can't act so it's mm. like anything that builds uh sort of resilience and community and hope is like yeah it's just the most important thing love it and are you hopeful right now um i think i think you have to be in order to be alive you know if you're not hopeful at all then you are a nihilist or you are a fatalist or you are evil <laughs> you know what i mean like, there's, there's there's a glimmer of hope uh, in all of us even the most kind of bedraggled and uh, <laughs> yeah sort of frustrated but um yeah no i'm um i think as soon as we get out on the road as well and, and we start speaking to people i, I become my hope sort of inflates yes, if you like right. you know we, we we did a um a book uh, release sort of um, signing and, and talk thing of, for our biography that, that was released last year and um i remember the amount of sort of real like incentivized motivated energy that that, that night gave me you know like one minute i was meeting an nhs doctor the next minute i was meeting this um a geoengineering um student um and then the next minute it was uh someone who was like surprisingly high up um in terms of like uh, climate change uh solutions in in government and you now all these people it's just like what oh yeah music can bring like some you know people from all kind of backgrounds together and and it's yeah and w- when you see them infused by uh music whether it's ours or other people's you know like uh, it then infuses the the artists to make more yeah. and it's just this lovely sort of cyclical uh sort of structuring of hope you know it just gets yes. passed back and forth and it builds and it yeah. grows so it's yeah it's something that i'm really looking forward to with the the the, the album um that we're about to release because I, ju- I just know once we start hearing from people once we start playing it and getting in rooms in front of people it's, it's gonna oh, be yeah. something that just blossoms I bet you can't wait, man. Well, look, let's steer out of the bleak waters of politics and let's get back to the music. Mm. One thing I want to ask you about as an independent artist is work-life balance. Because for me, having to do everything myself, you know, working 24 hours a day, having to juggle 15 different roles at any one point. Um, you kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, that your your job essentially at the moment is firefighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One fire out and then six more turn up behind you. So as someone that's been doing this pretty consistently now, man, how do you maintain your work-life balance? Oh, it's it's incredibly hard. Um, you know, I think, you know, anyone at, the, at the, kind of any level that isn't being on a major label and having a massive team sort of has to become yeah like this multi-tool wielding no sleeping sort of robot where you you do do so much yourself i mean i'm lucky that you know i've I've at least you know i have i speak to a lot of solo artists um who you know (laughs) literally have to do everything themselves but like i've got a band at least and we all do have our strengths and we all do chip in a, a lot but yeah it's it's relentless at the moment you know we're doing everything from like programming the lighting show for our next tour um and then we're planning the production for festival season and at the same time we're doing i'm I'm directing the videos on this on this kind of album campaign nice. we've done two uh we've got two more uh singles coming out with videos so yeah it, it, uh, it's just sort of non-stop there's the artwork yeah you just have to be brutal you have to be like really stubborn and just like make sure you make time for it um but it just means something has to suffer you know and you get to choose whether that's your own mental and physical health or whether that's something in uh in, in terms of your work yeah um and it's, it's obviously a hard choice to have to make that choice but you know yeah I, that, you know that's not to sort of denigrate the the amazing teams that we that we have around us but yeah there's a lot of um that that essence of, of diy uh, hasn't hasn't left us uh, at all. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing here, I was you, basically you don't have a work life balance. You're just working your ass off all of the time, right? Well, I suppose you know it, most people are. You know, it's that we're now entering the the era of capitalism where e- e- any hobby has to be like capitalized yes. on. You know, everything has to be a side hustle. Yeah. Like there is, there's just no spare time. You're either studying or you're working or you know you're hustling in some way. Right. It's just. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's all a bit gross, isn't it, really? But, um, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at at the moment. 
I think that's a clip I'm going to use. It's all a bit gross, isn't it? But that's just where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> that's the clip. <laughs> right. Well, you've just mentioned all of the things you do, and I want to get on to what's happening with the band because I don't want to keep it too much longer. Because I know you, you know, if, if if you could do anything right now, you could probably do with some fucking time off interviews and, and working on the band. Which whether you'll do that or not, I don't know. But uh, before <laughs> before I get into the what's happening with you guys, I got to ask you something because. I released an album in the lockdown called Make Anger Great Again, which was like a political punk rock record. It was a new project because my band had broken up. So I was kind of, you know, going a solo route with a new band. So I needed like a new logo, new branding, all that sort of stuff. And I came up with this idea that I thought looked cool as fuck on paper. It was like uh, I took the, uh, the hierarchy triangle and I inverted it so that it was like the many at the top and the fewest at the bottom. And I framed it within the circle, you know, representing equality and the circle of life and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, man, that looks fucking kick-ass. So I just raced ahead and put it on my CD and my merch and my fucking artwork and all that sort of stuff. Put it out there feeling very proud of myself. And then, um, <laughs> you know, album comes out and I start getting, uh, you know, a barrage of tweets from pissed off Enter Shikari fans oh, pointing no. out in no uncertain <laughs> terms that, um, hey, you do know that that's Enter Shikari's logo, right? <laughs> wow I, I was mean, like we, oh, for uh, fuck's sake <laughs> I'm not sure that we can even claim you know that it's that we came up with that you know as you say it's just like it's kind of symbology isn't it really and we're just using symbology to to kind of say what sounds like exactly the same thing which is kind of beautiful <laughs> um, yeah no I love it was that the thinking behind the logo uh, y- y- yeah you described it I- exactly yeah right um yeah, and I, rem- I remember, uh, God, which I think it was like our third album that we first used it. I mean, it was it was firstly just the inverted triangle, and the, the circle was in a kind of addition um, as the right. as time went on. But um, yeah, because it was it was essentially a, a bit of our lighting production at first. We had them these kind of LED bars that made the, the triangle for uh, flash for the color. Um, and yeah, yeah, no, it's, it, we kind of stuck with it ever since because it's it's just like a kind of it's not often that you get symbology that is sort of concise, simple. Yeah, you know, it really it says a lot, and it's it's like easy to to understand. So like, yeah, we we we've, we've stuck with it ever since. So what do I do? Do I have to fucking bin my merch, or or am I okay for a bit? You're not going to sue my ass, no, mate. No, <laughs> I, I mean, I've definitely seen other artists as well use you know an upside down triangle um names escape me i've seen a couple yeah yeah i'm sure many of us have the same thought process and the same um kind of artistic license really don't we so yeah no no go for it be you solidarity <laughs> oh, thanks man and next time i get an ass kicking off your fans i'll say look rouse said it's okay all right <laughs> yeah 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 right we're moving swiftly on we got to end up by telling everybody what is coming up in camp shikari because you guys have got tons of cool shit coming up so so tell everybody what's coming up absolutely yeah um well a kiss for the whole world is our new album um it's out on april the 21st which i finally memorized it was an album that was written after a, a very prolonged period of, of, of like not being able to write at all. So I was one of those people that over the, the kind of lockdown period just couldn't write. Um, I, most people, it seemed, were incredibly productive. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a pretty grim time. I mean, it's grim time for all of us, obviously. Um, but then after we started playing shows again, I felt like I was refueled and re-energized and felt that sense of purpose and human connection again. Um, and that's what this album is. It's an extremely like excited, I think, relieved album. You know, you can sense this sense of relief. Like, oh my God, we can create again. We can put this output, like, and stretch out into the world. And, you know, that's why it's called The Kiss for the Whole World, which is also feels like what the, the whole world needs right now, really. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's incredibly like excited, uh, exciting songs on, on the record that we, we're just starting to play live and it's just, so nice being able to do that straight away, you know, write a song, release it, play it live, like instead of waiting a year and a half, which is what, what we had to do on the, the last album. Um, yeah, seeing them in their, in their full form and, and seeing that, that cyclical energy in the, in the live sense has, has been amazing. Um, but yeah, no, we're just, we're, we're touring all, all over the shop this year and, and next, I imagine. Um, we're, we're doing, we're headlining Slam Dunk Festival in May. Yeah, and just going to be all over the shop, really. Can't can't wait. Doing the thing. 
I was going to plug the live shows, but they're mostly sold out already. So there's not a lot of points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Slam Dunk's the only one that in the UK uh, only um, that, that isn't sold out yet. But I've heard it's um, it's well on its way. So um, yeah, we'll we'll hopefully announce some some other stuff uh, as the year goes on. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. I know everyone is going to be super excited, as is demonstrated by the fact that the tour is essentially sold out already. I know the album is going to be an absolute banger, and it's going to do just as well, if not better, as everything else you guys have done. So, Rao, I'm going to let you go off and get some rest, or, uh, you know... jump onto the other six fires that you've now got to put out there since you've been talking to my ass. And... um, Best wishes, my friend, with everything coming up. Thank Thanks you. so much Thank for much. Uh, taking the time out to speak with us today. I really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating chat. And um, yeah, best wishes with everything coming up. And I hope to um, see you again soon. Man, all good. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Anytime at all, my man. Thanks again for everything you do and everything you give. And hopefully we'll see you out there in the trenches really soon. Cheers, <laughs> thank mate. you, Rob. Best wishes, mate. Take care. Take see care. Ciao. See you, man. Ta-da. Bye. Raul Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, put it together for him. What a cool dude. What a generous dude. What an intelligent switched on and fucking annoyingly talented dude, as well as a super nice guy. You can hear the brand new single, the absolute fucking banger, Bloodshot, which is out now from the forthcoming new album. And I would urge all of you to immediately go and follow the amazing Enter Shikari on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and everything you can find at Enter Shikari at entershikari.com. Those guys put up tons of awesome content from their amazing, amazing live shows. I would definitely recommend following them. It's super, super cool stuff. If you want to show Rao some love as well, check out his socials at Rao Reynolds on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And basically, just check out everything that Enter Shikari have ever done. I mean, I, I don't know who I'm talking to at this point because, like, everybody knows who Enter Shikari. I'm doing my best to, you know, to do the podcasting of plugging the guest. But in all honesty, who doesn't know who Enter Shikari are, for Christ's sake? You you don't need me to tell you how fucking awesome they are and why you should go and follow them. You're already following them anyway, but, you know, I got to do my thing. And again, it's no surprise to me that Rao is so articulate and so informed and so well-balanced in his views because he's demonstrated that year after year after year through his song lyrics and his interviews and his general demeanor and his writings as well. But I thought he had some really interesting and useful and insightful um, points to be made earlier about activism and politics and the power of art and the music business and all sorts of stuff. It was a really, really interesting chat from a really, really cool dude. And I know, <laughs> I know that he's really maxed out at the moment with, with promo and, and, uh, you know, putting out fires, as you mentioned. So again, you know, I really, uh, I'm grateful and thankful for him for coming on and giving us his time. Hopefully we'll get him on at some point again in the future. And when that happens, you're going to know all about it because you're going to have subscribed, aren't you? You're going to have hit the subscribe button. You're going to hit the follow. You're going to hit ratings. You're going to leave me a comment, even if it's a bad one. I don't care. You're going to give me something that's going to help me stick it to the algorithm and start nudging this thing out there. So get clicking because we have got some awesome, awesome guests coming up. Continuing next week. We're not dropping the ball here, baby. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support, and I shall see you next week. Take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and don't forget what Rao said. When it's all getting too much, there's no shame in just unplugging and recharging and reconnecting with what makes us all human in the first place so that we can get back in the trenches and start kicking some Tory ass with renewed vigor. <laughs> Love you loads, guys. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.